comes, it's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 20 of Nashville Untold, and thank you for tuning in. Today in the Rambler, I'll be hosting Chad Jeffers. I met up with Chad in Franklin, and we dove into his story. That, that's the age-old question. What is your purpose? Why are you here? And I believe we all have a purpose. And also, I believe that it's finding whatever that purpose is and then finding the deeper meaning of that purpose. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe with what I'm doing is helping other people achieve their goals and dreams you know, through creativity, through creative measures. And uh, be it that, you know, playing guitar, be it creative writing, whatever it is. And I, I feel that that's definitely a gift that, that I've got is helping people do that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and tap into that. Right, you know, where, that creativity. Right. He is a highly respected guitarist, dobro, and pedal steel player. Chad authored the book called 25 Notes for the Successful Musician. He is currently on tour with Carrie Underwood, and you can tell from the intro I read in a few minutes that he has a lot going on. I will apologize in advance because I think I talked a little too much in the interview. I must have had too much coffee. At the end of the episode, Chad will sing a song he wrote, so make sure to stick around for that. The nonprofit of the month is Safe Haven Family Shelter. See the link below in the show notes for more details about their event coming up called Hike for the Homeless. It is on November the 10th. Now, without further ado, here's Chad. Hello, Nashville. Today I am in Franklin, uh, Toys R Us parking lot, just in case afterwards (laughs) I need to go pick up some uh, exciting stuff for the kids. And I am sitting here with Chad Jeffers. He is a slide guitar player, singer-songwriter, and I'll let him elaborate in a little bit of everything he's got going on because he's doing quite a bit. But Chad was born and raised in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains in East Tennessee. He began his career guided by his singer-songwriter dad. He quickly learned the ropes of performing and was playing professionally by the age of nine. With the advice from his dad to move to go where the action is happening, he moved to Nashville and studied music business and marketing at Belmont University. While at school, he honed his skills as a musician, artist, and writer. Immediately after graduating, he was on the road with his first big tour, which was only the beginning. In the years to come, Pin Monkey, I said that right, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, a band he co-founded was signed to RCA. He then went on to tour with Keith Urban, Kenny Loggins, Jamie O'Neill, and many others. In 2007, he started touring with country superstar, uh, what's that name? What's, oh, Carrie Underwood. <laughs> oh, yeah, I recognize her name. In 2008, he authored and published his first book, 25 Notes for the Successful Musician, which started a speaking career for Jeffers. When he isn't in the studio producing other artists and or touring the world. He is a professor at Belmont University teaching music business. Owner, founder of Franklin Mastermind and gives speeches all across the country to corporations and universities. So Chad, you got a lot going on. Thanks uh, so much for joining (laughs) me in the Rambler today. My pleasure. All right, so we'll dive into a speed round. Okay. So how long have you lived in Nashville? Since uh, 94. Why did you move to Nashville? I moved to Nashville to go to Belmont. And as my dad said, this is where the action is. So yeah, move to move to where the action is and get an education in the process. Cool, cool. And what part of uh, where'd you move from? Uh, Kingsport, Tennessee. Okay. Yeah, northeast. Yeah. So did you um, look at other colleges, or was it Belmont was kind of the key one? It or? was either Belmont or uh, Middle Tennessee State University. In the the summer of uh, right after I graduated high school, I lived in Alaska. Okay. And working for my with my cousin, she has uh, her and her husband owned a river outfitting company called Oozle Expeditions. Just worked up there just because I could. Yeah. And nice. I earned some money for college, and um, and I was slated to go to MTSU on a saxophone scholarship. Oh, really? And the problem was I didn't want to play saxophone <laughs> for the rest of my life, as right. I was thinking at that moment of my, of my life. So we worked it out where I could go to Belmont. Yeah. 
That's cool. So I, I think I, I talked to somebody else recently, and they, they went to MTSU. Does it have a pretty good music school? It's got a great, yeah. yeah. Recording Instrument Management is okay. their, their music business program. And actually, oddly enough, I went and took some summer classes there okay. just to get the, the ologies, as I call them, out of the way so I could take more of the music business classes right. at Belmont. Right. So what part of town do you currently live in, and why did you choose that location? I live here in Franklin, and Franklin's where I've always wanted to been, wanted to live since I moved to Nashville. And when I lived there at Belmont University, I was an RA, <laughs> so I'd, yeah, been called everything. Fun. Right, right. <laughs> but but uh, even when I was an RA, uh, you know, you move places all the time and, and different addresses. So I was losing mail because no one knew where I was living. So I decided just to go ahead and get a P.O. box. And so I came down here to Franklin because I knew this is where I wanted to be eventually. Yeah. And uh, so I still have the P.O. box. Nice. For, for business. Yeah. What part of Franklin? Man, I went, I showed some homes over here, and then I went like about 100 miles this way in Franklin, too. <laughs> like, it's it's so wide, man. It's crazy. Yeah, I just live off Hillsborough Road. Okay. So it's... Yeah, uh, I was actually around that area. Um some really pretty homes. Out and there. I love it here. I mean, I really do. It's And of all the places I've traveled, you know, one of the, the biggest questions I get is, where would you ever live? Like, if you could live anywhere, and it's, I'm living here. That's You know, cool. Franklin. It's everything I, I want and need. And yeah. Yeah, I've, I've told many people. If, so we, we moved, we lived in East Nashville, then we lived in Hermitage, and now we're in Mount Juliet. Um, and obviously, you got schools that are great all around. But to get my wife to make the change mm -hmm. like it would be tough but i tell people i i like i like franklin it's probably the top because you got the downtown aspect you right know, true downtown little feel and then you got all this commercialized too if you want it right you know and billboard named it as one of the top three for musicians and artists oh, really? to live here. <laughs> yeah. i could see i could see yeah that's cool well and you can go you know play a little gig downtown uh the downtown franklin versus mm -hmm. going downtown nashville that's too. right um favorite restaurant Mm, anything sushi. Okay. I'm a big sushi fan. Have, what's your favorite one around here? Um, there's actually, there's one close to where I live called Miso. Okay. It's really good. Yeah. Okay. Kind of a, a hole in the wall kind of place. But yeah. Yeah, those are really some like of the it. best ones, huh? Mm -hmm. Favorite hobbies or hobby? Um, hobbies, uh, playing with my dog. Uh -huh. I got a dog and uh, been doing a lot of training with him, turn him into a rescue, or a, a, he's a rescue dog, turn him into a service dog. Okay. And uh, hang out with him. Uh, bonfires, smoking cigars. Yeah, that nice, kind of, nice. That kind of vibe. Yeah, my neighbor. He. We were talking last night. We got to uh, make a time to get out and have a cigar. Uh, tell me something unique about yourself. Um. Well. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, goodness. Something weird that you wouldn't want to tell anybody. <laughs> Except just a million people. Yeah. I'm a clean freak. Okay. Okay. Which is kind of weird. Until I'm recording, okay. and then it's like all bets are off. And so my studio looks like a bomb just went off in it, but yeah. everything else is like really. And, and I think part of that is because living in hotels, mm -hmm. you can trash the room, and then when you come back, it's spotless. Mm -hmm. And I kind of get used to that. And so anytime I come in off the road, you know, when I throw clothes down, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got to pick that up at right. some point. Right. I don't have a maid, you know, coming in right after me. Yeah, and it could be that aspect that I know for me, it's like, oh, kind of we were talking before we got on here. It's like, okay, what do I need to do today? Um, all right, I know I need to do this and this and this, but, man, I'm going to clean because that productivity will make me feel really good because I knocked something out, right? Um, so then you get on the music, which you love, and it's like, Focus, right? Yeah, Everything's absolutely. Just out of your, out of mind, out of sight, right? When well, and you mentioned the book earlier, and and uh, whenever I wrote the book, uh, I've I've often told people I said if you want to have a clean house and inside out, start writing a book. Really? Because you'll you'll find any reason not to sit down and write a book. <laughs> so I would sit down. I'm like, oh my gosh, the cut the glutter uh, glutters the, the gutters need to be clean right now. <laughs> I don't need to write one word. I need to go clean the gutters. Uh, so so. I moved here in 2000, and I had a junior English class left to take because I couldn't clip out of it. And it took me two years <laughs> to, to finish that class. And it was like like I extended it. I paid for it. I had to pay for the class again. I had to pay for another extension. I right. To, and then all in all, I probably had maybe two months totally, <laughs> total into the class. I mean, it was ridiculous. So I don't know that I would ever have to. I'd have a ghostwriter, I think, you know. <laughs> I don't know that I can do that. 
Although I'm sure Siri's made it, um, you know, or text to talk has made it a lot right. easier. So where is one of the most exciting places you visited? There, there's so many. Um, and, and depends on how you determine or define um, exciting. Because um, I've done a couple of USO tours. So those were quite exciting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And that, this is when we were in, in the conflict, in the war, and uh, flying into Baghdad. Wow. Uh, you know, in a C-17 and it coming down in a corkscrew to land and um, having some RPGs lock in on us in a helicopter. <laughs> so that was probably pretty. You will probably want to go back there again tomorrow, right? <laughs> right. Uh, I, I did two tours over there uh, doing USO stuff. And okay. uh, it, it was really cool. Turkey, Germany, Afghanistan, Iraq, Qatar. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was uh, quite exciting. On a, a slower scale, probably uh, Australia mm-hmm. is always one of my favorite. London, I've always and last uh, in 2016 we went to Stockholm. Mm-hmm. That was kind of cool. So yeah, I, I just like seeing the different cultures. That's kind of the the sucky thing about doing this type of stuff because you you know I've interviewed musicians and people that are traveling and I really kind of get jealous because I want to go to all those places too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and some people will think that they always say they're like, man, it must be awesome being a world traveler. Like, well, wait, wait, travel? Yes. Traveler? No, actually, I'm, I move from point A to oh, point right, B. Right, I'm not right. necessarily a traveler. Now, sometimes uh, though, I'm sure you sometimes get to park we get and days off so it. we can right. yeah. But, but, uh, but especially domestically, I mean, we're seeing a hotel room and then a concrete building, right. you know, the arenas right. or, or whatever venue we, we may be in that day. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I agree. I think there's sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, man, I've been to 50 states. Well, did you experience it or did you just fly in and yeah, fly exactly. out? I, I drove, um, I'd sold commercial trucks for a couple of years and I would pick a truck up and drive it back. And I'd drove from Portland, Oregon to Nashville wow. three weekends in a row. But it was so awesome. I went three different trips and just seeing the different environments, you know, the mountains and um, which I'm sure you've seen a lot of that, right? Yeah. Because you've obviously had to ride on the bus at times. Right, too, right. right. Um, all right. So um, that's the speed round. Okay. Pretty speedy, right? Um, so aside from the intro bio, give me a little bit more insight into kind of what you got going on um, currently. I've always been very entrepreneurship driven. Besides doing music, or, or besides being a player in music, is also producing. So I do custom projects for people. Uh, just finishing up one now with this lady that wanted to do a gospel album and just, you know, not wanting to get like a record deal and not wanting to tour. She just always wanted to do it. So that's one thing I really like doing is helping people find when they have a dream like that and helping them achieve that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, between that, songwriting, as we've talked about before we started recording. And then also uh, running a Franklin Mastermind, which is franklinmastermind.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and also helping coach uh, coach people on their creativity. And uh, all that is very rewarding to me. And yeah. I, I just, I really dig doing that. That's cool. I was uh, I was working out with a guy last night. I won't say his name, but he's uh, he's a guitar player. And he, uh, he was showing me this gig. I guess some guy's got money. And so he's just learning a little guitar and he's recording mm-hmm. um, his voice and making a song out of it. And so friend had let me listen to the before. Right. He's so, I mean, you know, and I'm not a super music critiquing person, but obviously I can listen to a song and go, wow, I love that. Right. But it was like out of tune. And he was even saying how, you know, I guess the guitar is in tune. He just plays it out of tune. You know? <laughs> and the voice, like you can even hear it. It was crazy. So then... So they take it, and the guy's just paying for these lessons, and then he wants to have them record it, you know. And it's actually even on iTunes. And so the friend, so my friend, he then lets me listen to, you know, some session people what they did with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's amazing the mm-hmm. difference. Which is like, that's crazy that you know someone actually could probably take the pride out of look, listen to me, that's me. But it's like, no, it's really not. It's like a <laughs> bunch of hyped up electronics that, you right. know. Um, so it was interesting. Like I haven't, you know, I guess I didn't realize that that, that does obviously go on. You got somebody mm-hmm. who just wants to, you know, the pride of being able to play. And even mm-hmm. though they suck, you can make them sound good. Right? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> not saying that you're doing that. Right. <laughs> but uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. So I noticed in your bio that your dad had a big impact into you diving into the music scene. How did he impact you, and were there others at your younger age that had an influence on who you are today? Yeah, um, my brother and I, we grew up in a music family, and so my dad was a singer-songwriter, and he, he was doing it more as a hobby. However, it was a kind of a supercharged ho- hobby because he would also come down to Nashville 
and wrote with Bill Anderson and got um, a song cut by Conway and Loretta back in the day. And they never released it, but uh, from that, Conway wanted to produce my dad. And at the time, his career was going up and down, so he uh, he didn't produce them, but he gave my dad the band, the Twitty Birds, which was amazing. So um, got all this just incredible, just old recordings of, of my dad singing and everything. So we we wanted to, to put together a band and, and kind of back my dad of, you know, at the first, at the start, I was eight years old. My brother was um, 10 or 11. And our first show was in front of uh, 1,500 Rainbow Girls. So Rainbow Girls is, is part of like um, the Eastern Star. It's, it's kind of a, um, a fraternity or, you know, a type of organization, part of the uh, Freemasons, okay. which is what I am now. But um, anyway, so uh, we, you know, they're for eight, 13 to 18, these girls are. Once again, I'm eight. My brother's 11 and 11 or so. And uh, we play behind my dad. We're the last people on the, the bill, on the part of this program. When we were finished, the girls came out of the bleachers chasing my brother and me. So it was totally like the Beatles, you know, hard, hard day's night kind of thing. Run into the dressing room, freaked out. We and don't know what said, to do. How old were they? They were 13 to okay, 18. Okay. And so uh, we're freaked out. We get in the dressing room, and I, I remember this. I looked at my brother. I'm like, I don't know what that was, but that's what I wanted right, to do right, forever. Right. And uh, and that's when we started more of a family band. And um, it was uh, my brother and me, and then a, another guy joined in, Matt Mahaffey, who went on. He's toured with Beck and produced Pink mm -hmm. and, cool. and wow. all kinds of on the Shrek albums and does all kinds of stuff. And uh, so growing up in um, elementary school all the way through high school, we had a you know a band called Rainy Nickel. Okay. And uh, and we came to Nashville and did some recording and yeah. And so that that was that was our that was our education in music. Yeah. And so at that point, with you know, how do you decide what instrument you're playing at that time? Were you practicing something before that? Or? Yeah, that that that's a different uh, whole different thing. I, I started on drums, and then my parents thought, well, you you probably need to learn piano for the the basics, and mm -hmm. I said, oh, sure. So learned piano. And then we had a guitar player in our band at the time, and then he quit. So I just said, I'll just play guitar. So I got a guitar, started learning guitar. And um, the, the guy that, one of the other influences is a guy named Rick Hicks from Kingsport. And he was a, um, a music teacher, mm -hmm. taught me a lot about guitar. And he was teaching my brother and me, like the Nashville number system, you know, when we're you know, nine years old, which is amazing, which the Nashville number system is the system of what all the session players here in town read so instead of reading um notes it's it's numbers okay so that's like any session that's that's what you'll see gotcha the jordanaires were actually the ones that were helped create that and then eventually i wanted to play slide guitar and rick my my instructor knew a little bit of slide guitar so he showed me and and that's that that was the the evolution yeah of, so i went and saw um Jerry Douglas. Yeah. Oh, he was my mentor ago. when I moved to town. And I had, yeah. so I had a friend, uh, Ross Holmes, who mm -hmm. played fiddle. So I went to see him. And then um, another guy that I that I knew, a past client, um, Mike Seal. Mm -hmm. You've heard of him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I was like, hey, cool. I could see two past clients playing, you know. <laughs> and, you know, he plays with Jerry Douglas. So I'd never heard of him. Um, I heard of him, but I had never seen him. I was yeah. like, man, it was awesome, you know, because they yeah. had them and then they had a sax player and then they had a, I can't remember what the other guy was playing, but uh, but it was just the music. You right, know, and, man, right. he was just, it was awesome. I was like, man, this is great. I'm a, I'm a Jerry Douglas fan. Now, yeah. You know? So yeah, I mean that's. And you're, he you're was the first one I ever saw playing playing the dobro or resophonic guitar. Is okay. What it, and um, and so I saw him playing it, and I'm like, man, that sounds cool. I want to learn that. And so, started. You know, of course there was no internet, so I was trying to find out what else he had played on, which I stumbled then onto a T Bone Burnett album that T-Bone had produced of Leo Kotke. So then all of a sudden I'm exposed to, to T-Bone, then to Leo Kotke, and you know, just the music yeah. influences just started to really gel yeah. for me at that moment. So what's the, what's the official term of a slide guitar? Uh, well, it's a resophonic guitar. Okay. So Dobro is actually a brand name owned okay. by Gibson. Okay, all right. And so from, the, from how they're made from a just regular guitar, how different is it? I yeah, know you play, you know, you, you play it flat and it has a square neck. Okay. And then there's a big hole in the guitar, which has the, the resonator part. And so the resonator, um, it's like a cone. And then there's a okay. bridge that sits on top of that. And that's what kind of gives it its funky sound. Okay. Okay. 
Cool. So <clears throat> I know I think when I ask these questions, I'm like, I should know, you know, more, but I, it's learning on the go. That's fine. Um, so we all have different journeys. And from what little I know about you so far, I can imagine you have had some pretty awesome experiences in your life thus far. What are a few moments in time that had the biggest impact on who you are today? Um, one of them was definitely with Pen Monkey, and we were um, out on a radio tour, and we were at the hotel, and we had a gig that night, and um, and our bus caught on fire, and we lost ev- almost oh, everything. Oh no! Yeah. Wow. And so, and we all just stood there and just watched it burn. I mean, there's nothing you can do, and a lot of the stuff that were in the bays were actually concealed or that was contained, okay. and so our instruments and everything. And so uh, that was definitely a moment because we still went and played the gig that night. You know, we thought, well, you know, hey, we can go tear in my beer kind of thing and, you know, just say, well, we just can't do the gig. But we actually went and played. And, of course, when we're lighting up our amps, a lot of them are Class A, so they burn really hot. Okay. And uh, Or, or they, they're really hot in terms of, like, tubes and everything like right. that. Right. So all this, this like, suet kind of stuff. <laughs> so that burnt smell right. filtrated the okay, whole gotcha, club at gotcha. night. But, uh, but all of our fans were there, and, and that was – and it, for me, it was just one of those defining moments of just, um, you know, the show's got to go on. There's a million sayings, but the show's got to go on, and persistence – and and just keep moving forward, mm-hmm. and that's what we did. We got a lot of publicity out of it. Too. Yeah, I bet, <laughs> I bet, man, that's crazy. And the fact that you went on as well, how to catch on fire? Uh, it was the generator. Oh. The generator caught on fire, and and of course, you know when just a little spark and something like that with right. all the, the diesel fuel and everything. And yeah. our, our single was released that day. So <laughs> wow, maybe that was the universe telling us not to pursue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, I don't know. You got the publicity out yeah. of it. And that wasn't in social media days. Right? No, right, so, right. you know, you can imagine how, how, how much of a wildfire <laughs> it would spread now. Right. Right. So, um, any other moments come to mind? There's a lot. I mean, it's just a matter of, um, you know, especially some of the venues that we've played, like Madison Square Gardens and just, just you know, you're or doing Saturday Night Live or Red Rocks and, and you know, some of these uh, places where there's so much history mm-hmm. and, you know, you're thinking, I'm playing the same place where Elvis played, you know, or, I, or right. you, you have all those thoughts. Right. And um, it, it's just, it's, and then you think back, you know, to been in your bedroom at 10 years old, just working on guitar, just trying to get that one lick and how that one lick really, you know, took you far. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it'd be interesting because I'm sitting here listening to you and I mean, from that young of age all the way up to now, you know, you've probably fine tuned your craft and, you know, and incorporating more stuff into being Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur. But then I think about my journey and it's like, you know, up until six years ago, I never really knew what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just kind of working for the day. So it'd be interesting to have, to have, you know, to have something that you really enjoyed from a young age mm-hmm. and then just pursued it your whole life, you know, right. it'd be kind of cool. And you know? yeah. And, and even to, to now what you're talking about there, um, the same thing happens to me, you know, it's like, what, you know, that, that's the age old question. What is your purpose? Why are you here? And I believe we all have a purpose. And also I believe that it's finding whatever that purpose is and then finding the deeper meaning of that purpose. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe with what I'm doing is helping other people achieve their goals and dreams, you know, through creativity, through creative measures. And uh, be it that, you know, playing guitar, be it creative writing, whatever it is. And I, I feel that that's definitely a gift that, that I've got is helping people do that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and tap into that. Right. You know, or, that creativity. Right. Yeah. I was actually, man, I need you to, you should meet this guy I just had lunch with. And you actually might know his name, but J.J. Benson? Is that name? I know the name, yeah. So he he's a musician, but he's starting a nonprofit. They've adopted, or they fostered, but then adopted. So he's kind of partnering with, um, I don't know if it's an adoption agency, but I think it's kind of starting small in his, in his house, but it's kind of bringing the arts to them, mm-hmm. teaching them, you know, instruments and stuff. And then actually they have a concert that they put on. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, I think, because when you say that creativity, I'm like, I recently somebody talked about that. But yeah, it's, it was pretty pretty neat idea. Um, and actually, funny thing, full circle, because I didn't say... <laughs> how you know your name got dropped which aaron walker had mentioned that right. one time and then mark barnowski right did. well so i meet mark at farmer's market and because a guy by the name of jeff holder had introduced me well, i was talking to him 
he was on the mission field for 25 years. Wow. Him and his wife or his family. Wow. And so get to talking to them and I, and we're talking about this and he's like, oh, you need to meet Mark. And so I go meet Mark. <laughs> um, and so it was through Jeff. Jeff had introduced me to JJ. Oh, wow. Because, you know, I'm incorporating some nonprofit, you know, interviewing yeah. that through this as well. So so it's kind of crazy how it all <laughs> kind of ties together, right? <clears throat> but you, I, I had to put you in contact with him. Yeah. Because um, I know you're always looking for something to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's see. Going to Belmont, I know you were surrounded by some great talent. Being around that caliber of talent, it has to keep you on your toes. Out of all the people who you have walked alongside, who has been the biggest influence in your life? Is there anybody currently that you're learning from? Yeah, definitely. Um, for me, it'd be definitely my mentor, Jimmy Olander. And my first gig was with the Wilkinsons, and we were on our first tour was with Alan Jackson. So, of course, I'm straight out of college. And I'm thinking, wow, this is pretty easy. <laughs> you just walk into this. But it, it's not that easy. It, that was a lucky break for them and a lucky break for me that I was with them. But uh, while I was out with the Wilkinsons, uh, we did a, a, a tour date with uh, Diamond Rio. And Jimmy was uh, warming up just on his guitar. And I just walked up to him, just started talking to him. And uh, he also, he's a, a Franklin guy. And so we started you know, saying, well, let's, let's meet up. And, and that was, uh, in 1998. And yeah. So for the last 20 years and, and pretty much I haven't made one single decision without calling him. Really? And he, he's, he's just and very wise and, and just great person. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. And his, and like anytime, anytime he comes with me to like an event or anything and some of my guitar buddies are there, they all just get weak in the knees. Really? <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause Jimmy is just an amazing guitar player and, you know, people like Brad Paisley and all those guys have looked up to him yeah. for many years. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, and that, of course, I'm sure it reminds you of just what you're doing now, making the impact and seeing one person, how it can have so much influence in your life, you know, mm -hmm. of wanting to, to, you know, give that to others as well. Right. So that's pretty cool. Um, speak a little bit about the benefits of being a part of a mastermind group. Um, and how that's has benefited you and leading one as well. Yeah, it um, for sure. Like being an entrepreneur, as we were talking about being overwhelmed sometimes, uh, that's one thing that the mastermind has helped me just hold me accountable to different things. And also it, it exposes you to new ideas, mm -hmm. new concepts, businesses, potential businesses. The one that I was just uh, recently introduced to was um, the Alexa, Alexa yeah. uh, right. flash briefings, you know, part of the Echo, part of the Amazon set up and so i got my own alexa briefing now called backstage notes cool. so if you you guys are around releasing today actually as we as we record this and so what is that like what's that look like you say so hey, alexa stage yeah so back yeah yeah so you say alexa uh, flash briefings you can go on to um your amazon account and you can pick whatever um flash briefings you want okay and so right now there's i think the account is like around four thousand and th this is like top news or w if you want like a creative or um, spiritual quote every day, whatever okay. that may look like, or if you want backstage notes. And so um, it's about a three to five minute, um, just very small briefing. And typically I, I'll just take one topic and just um, just talk about it for a couple of minutes. And usually there's a music element involved as long as, and as well as a, a, a principle, like a Jim Rohn principle mm -hmm. or a Zig Ziglar principle. Cool. And nice. I apply it to music. So. Right, right. So I get Alexa, Alexa, and which I haven't done any of that stuff yet. I don't have any of the <laughs> super electronics. But somebody had actually mentioned about yeah doing that through the mastermind, which kind of goes back to talking about the mastermind stuff. Um, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest perks is that is the creativity, mm -hmm. you know, because there's so many people thinking outside of the box. Right. I mean, I even think you know to, I think a lot of cases to be you know, searching to jump into a mastermind to be around to take you out of your comfort zone for that accountability. I think that, you know, that's a creativity in itself. Right. You know? But yeah, being, you know, when I had started this um, like two years ago, mm -hmm. it was like, all right, I, I know I want to do this, but what's a good, you know, way of blogging or whatever. And it was through, you know, being part of Aaron's mastermind and hearing podcasters and right. this and that. I was like, oh, okay, that'd be good, you know? <laughs> yeah. and, um, and then, and then, you know, fast forward and doing that for like a year and then going, you know what, I need to simplify it, you know, again. And it was through, it, it's kind of funny cause I had told Aaron, I was like, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing when I look back to like two and a half years ago, you're introduced to one person mm -hmm. 
and then really through that connector, mm -hmm. you know, how much, I mean, it obviously still takes you taking action on many right. things, but just how much can come of one relationship. Absolutely. You know, it's pretty wild. Yeah. And I, what, I think there's a quote of this is, you know, the, the next person you meet may change the rest of your life kind of mentality. Yes. And, and I, I believe that's true too. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, that's one of the questions I get from a lot of musicians are like, okay, I'm moving to Nashville. What's the biggest tip you can give me? Okay. Like, just get out and play. Play with everybody. Play with anybody that will let you play with them, even if it's for free. And I'm like, they're like, wait, wait, I'm moving there to be in the music business as a career. It's like, yeah, you need to play for free, and right. you need to to get, you know, get your network going. Some people call it the good old boy system. I right. call it just networking. Right. It's like any any other business you would have. Yeah, and, expose uh, yourself. Right. right. Yeah, that's and I've heard that from some others too. Is really getting to know people because I mean it's just like what you know. Knowing somebody can definitely open up a ton of doors. Obviously, right. once the doors open, you got to perform and be okay, or else you know you get your butt kicked back out the door. Yeah, and, and it's also um, being top of mind. Mm -hmm. So, right. I mean, there's a lot of people that I know they're incredible players, but I haven't seen them in years. So, when someone asks me, maybe like one of the instruments that um, the, one of these people I'm talking about, they're not the first people that come to mind. What people that come to mind are the people I'm playing with, like in Carrie's band. You know, I mean. That because that's what's top of mind for me. Right. So um, you probably got some marketing skills from your mom too, right? Yeah. I mean, being in real estate, top of mind. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, I, I got key. the best of both worlds because my dad's being a creative, my mom's yeah. a realtor, and then I went and got a music business degree and a marketing degree. So, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty awesome. It's a blessing and a curse, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and it's funny because my wife was a marketing coordinator, and mine was um, small entrepreneurship right. or general business. And, you know, this really, I'm doing what my major was. But then I also think I'm like, hey, you know, I actually got a pretty good marketing mind, you know, mm -hmm. which I think marketing, you know, it's probably evolved, right? Because you got all the social media. But then I think it's, you know, getting that big picture. Right. But then, you know, you got to incorporate the details as well, which right. is where I'm like, hey, new idea. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Now I got to do some details, you know, the time blocking and all right. that stuff that we talked about. So... I think most of us can scroll through social media timelines and be envious of each other. Reality is, we don't always post about reality. Life is not always perfect. What are some struggles you have faced along your life journey? And what did you learn and how did you grow from those? Wow, these are deep questions mm -hmm. now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think for me, the, once again, some of the stuff we're talking about earlier was, um, you know, staying focused and and... You know, and, and there's a lot of things in this business and being in music and or just entrepreneurship in general, a lot of stuff that you don't want to do. Mm -hmm. But what I've learned part of that part of the question is um, is just do it. And, and the, the, the more diligent you are with doing it, the easier typically it is, because for me, um, I get the tape in my head that starts going of something that I need to do that I'm not really looking forward to. And then it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And so I'm dreading doing the actual task when the task is really not that bad. <laughs> and so yeah. then I do the task in 30 minutes, I'm done. And I'm like, right. that's all it was. I and I've been waiting a week to do it. I mean, you just literally want to go, God, that was stupid. Yeah. But, you know, thinking stupid doesn't make it happen. I guess, right. right. And so, of course, that's not something I put on Facebook. Right, you know? right, right. <laughs> but, but like that, all, that, all, the, all of, you know, what, twice a year when you get stuck like that, right. right? you don't put it on Facebook. I mean, there's a lot of struggles just in terms of, um, you know, when people don't do what they say they're going to do, you know, and, and just still you just go with the flow and, and you know, take the high road as much mm -hmm. as you can. And mm -hmm. you know, there, there's always those, you know, aspects. Right, right. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, and you probably saw this. You, you know, see this in real estate, yeah, too. Yeah, I was going to so. say, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes things happen, and, you know, you just got to shake it off and move on. And mm -hmm. if you can learn from it, you you take a note and learn what maybe you could have done better. But, right. yeah, sometimes you just got to just get over it, <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, so the strings on your steel guitar represent different aspects of your life. Most of the time, you are strumming along in tune and all is well. Sometimes the string breaks and your life gets out of tune. When you recognize that, what do you do to stop and restring? Is that something I wrote? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've actually gotten been working on an idea like that. Oh, really? Okay, cool, cool. So, uh, yeah, and so my whole concept is how to play um, and with an in-tune life. 
and and I, I that's like, awesome. Yeah, and then it's actually not still guitar, but I, I use right. the dobro, so six strings. Right. And so you know, in terms of like spirituality, okay. In terms of um, you know physical aspect, social uh, relationships, financial, um, and fun. Yeah. I wanted fun to be in there because a lot of people forget the fun part, and I, I think, and even if you have to schedule that in. Because uh, one one struggle, going back to that question, one struggle that I do have is um, a lot of times when I go and do have go and have fun doing something, I'm always thinking I'm feeling a little guilty right now because I need to be working on my business. Then when you work on your business, you're like, wait, I should be working on these relationships mm-hmm. and spending time with the loved ones. Mm-hmm. And and so for me, that's one of the struggles in terms of scheduling back to the time blocking that where I do things on purpose intentionally. And that has helped me dramatically yeah. um, with that. And right. so, and that, that helps with keep the guitar in tune, yeah. if you will. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Well, and I, I, was, I think I was reading again, not to keep going back to some of the stuff Aaron said, but I read his book. And one section in there, it talked about, I forget how it was worded, but it was like, you know, when you have all that stuff going on in your mind. Swirling. I call it swirling. Swirling. And, yeah. and how, yeah, I'm like that. I'm like. Okay, so I'm. <laughs> I mean, I'm literally on the in, on the floor yesterday, and Hudson, my three year old, play daddy, play daddy, and I, I mean, I gotta stop what I'm doing. Sure. And, but the reality is, I get down there, and like I'm like, gosh, toys are just so boring. Like, <laughs> it's little people are not as fun as they were with my oldest at Bryce when he was that age, and but it's so hard to just like turn it off, like mm-hmm. go. God, I know I need to be doing this over here, but like I need to be in that moment. And mm-hmm. it's just like an internal battle. Um, but, you know, the one thing he had talked about is like, you know, you kind of got to give yourself grace because I guess the reality is we can't turn our brain off. Mm-hmm. We can just kind of keep trying to mind shift, I guess. Right. I just made it up. But uh, and, and just keep working on the focus and being there. But then also know that, you know, because we desire to not be content. I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of a good thing. That's right. kind of what I took away. It's like, it's going to happen. You're going to have that tension. But, you know, as long as you just, I guess, don't veg and turn everything off, you're yeah. forward, you know? Yeah, and I think that's why it's, in you know, in back to the guitar analogy, I mean, it. I think everything does have to play in harmony with each other. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I think it, it's, once again, I think it's a very intentional Mm-hmm. intentional thing that you need to do. And to go back to it, you know, at times you're going to get out of tune. Right. And it's having that grace sometimes of going, oh, I messed up or whatever it is. and But then, you know, get right back up, tune it again, right. keep on playing. Exactly. You know? So uh, Or change the string if you break yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. And sometimes, yeah. Um, so you've been around um, some well-known names and often on platforms where you could really let your ego get the best of you. From what I've seen, you seem very humble and approachable. Um, how do you keep yourself grounded in that realm? <laughs> it's easy. I call my mom. Here <laughs> <laughs> recently, I've re- released some things and, and sent it to her. She's like, "Yeah, that's not good. I don't like and I don't like how you say this and that." You know, <laughs> like, well, there you go. And there's been times where, um, you know, mom, we just played Madison Square Gardens. That's so cool. You know, sold out and blah. She's like, "Well, did they clap really hard?" I'm like, did they clap really hard? Yeah, yeah, mom. Yeah, they clapped really hard, you know. I mean, <laughs> it's those things that, uh, you That's know, and she awful. came in uh, when the Storyteller Tour with Carrie came through Nashville. She came out and saw it. And, and uh, you know, of course, you know, it's like 18 trucks. I mean, it's a huge stage. And, uh, you know, and, and she, I can't remember what she told me, but she's like, I didn't like what you were wearing that night, you know. <laughs> <And> <laughs> mom awesome. was wearing a black shirt and black pants, you know. Or <laughs> But that that always keeps me very humble. Yeah, you know that's funny. But that's, that's a good funny. thing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because you know, again, you know, I think it is. You know, I think as I've gone through life, like even looking up to certain people and seeing them fall. You mm-hmm. know, I think over over the years, it gives you reality that we're all human. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, some of us are on a stage and mm-hmm. people are loving it, but the reality is, is that. Everybody has some of the same struggles, you know. Yeah, and I think and that, it's like getting that perspective of, you know, that you're not any better. Right. I'm not any better than right. anybody else, you know. And and for the, I think the the truth is we're all on a stage, mm-hmm. you know, yes. whether right, you know, if, whether it's in front of thousands of people or in front of millions of people on a podcast or on YouTube, or um, or just in front on stage in front of just your peers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
but I, yeah, I think at, at some point, you know. I always liked, um, you know, people would be like, oh, man, I want to go, you know, on the mission field. I got to be on the mission field to make an impact. And, you know, I've always heard that. It's like, man, we I have a mission field within my family. Right. You know? And uh, I think we, we, we're probably all on a bigger mission than we realize with showing people love, mm-hmm. you know, in, in our uh, black and white world. Uh, you ever listen to Donald Miller? Oh yeah, absolutely. Did you, did you heard his latest podcast? No. Um, yeah, check it out. It, it he interviewed a guy I think that works with him, and they have a um, he's just written a book, okay. but it talks about binary thinking. And actually, it would go, it would you know, it would go with you're talking about the creativity because he had some quotes in there that talked about you know having just black or white thinking really smothers creativity mm-hmm. you know it was pretty it was pretty cool i love um, donald miller man. yeah that guy's yeah. great i had saw a post with him and then one of my other favorite um authors is bob golf oh yeah Love does yeah <clears throat> have you, you read the book yeah he was just in town yeah um, well he's doing a thing i think yeah. isn't he yeah yesterday and today yeah so. I, yeah i saw a post at donald i was like so i read uh hit donald's book a million a million miles, miles in a thousand, thousand years. years yes and then Bob Goss loved us. Love and right. like those two were around the same period. It was funny. I was like, you know what? I haven't read that one in a while. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read, you know, read Don Miller's book. And, and I was like, oh, I'd have him sign it. And I was like, oh, it's signed. Because I think I got it at some auction or something. <laughs> oh, really? And it was, you know, it was really cool. Just again, thinking of the one person that can make an impact. But a book that I didn't even buy that was given to me, right? Um, because actually I had donated to I think it was a Haiti nonprofit thing, and then yet read the book and it gets mm-hmm. me thinking. The wheels are turning, and which I think impact. kind of what you're doing here is living a a better story and, and right, living yeah. once again on purpose, writing your own story out. And I, I think you're doing that very well. And and with these podcasts and YouTube, you never know who you're going to touch. Right. You know right. what kind of life. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna take note from all all these people that are doing it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and keep the humble part. Um, let's see. So, just from the few minutes of conversation we had the other day, you've got a lot going on. What do you do to keep your focus on what is important? <laughs> uh, just taking one step in front of the other. You know, for me, I, I've got a uh, in in marketing or in sales, it's called reduction to the ridiculous. Okay. I don't know if you've ever used that or not. Uh, and so, you know, basically, if you go buy a um, you know, like a $500 pair of boots. And we're like, wow, that's 500. These are not, by right. <laughs> but, um, you know, they're like, that's so much. But then if you say, all right, well, I'm going to have these boots for five years, you know, five times 365 days. And then you, you reduce mm-hmm. the price right. to, well, are your boots worth, you know, 10 cents a day? Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah, that's ridiculous. Reduction to the ridiculous. And so I try to do the same thing with my time where I, I take the big, the big, ending that I'm wanting and then just start now, you know, bringing it down. So right now I'm working on some new um, talks, okay. uh, some new uh, lectures. Mm-hmm. And so reduction to the ridiculous. So I'm bringing it down to like one minute and just write that one minute and, and build it. Right. Right. That's cool. And so that's, that's, that's what works for me. Right. Cause otherwise I'm doing, I'm going from project and then I see shiny objects. So I turn and I work on another project. And at the end of the day, I've worked on, you know, five or six different projects, but I really haven't moved the needle in terms of getting something done on one particular project. Right. Yeah. If that makes any sense. No, at all, it does. That. Yeah. I, I like that. Um, which I mean, it's, you know, yeah, it's taken like a 12, you know, potential 12 week plan and breaking it down to the fine details right. and then working on those details. Which know? a 12 week year is a great book. Yeah. 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 It's like going, Hey, I want 10 million in sales this year. It's like, okay, how are you going to get there? I don't know, but I really want that. You better tune it down and work on those, the, the boring skills, right? That's right. That, you the know, stuff you or don't the mundane. post on Yes, exactly. It's like going, Oh God, I don't really want to do that. Um, so there are so many great people making a difference in Nashville, um, which you actually kind of answer this. How do you hope you are making an impact in others, which I, you alluded to the creativity aspect. Right. Anything else, um, you know, as far as you would say, just impact. Yeah. Others? Like a- anytime I go out and give a lecture, it seems like there's people that come up and they, they always feel inspired or there's something that really touched them that makes them want, really want to put something into action in their own life. Mm-hmm. And that always, and then I always get the residual or, or if I'm fortunate to, I get the residual emails, you know, from, you know, hey, I heard you speak two years ago and, you know, you told me to try this and, and I did it and things were great. Um, one of my favorite examples was a coaching client was a Ted Yoder. And so Ted, um, 
he, it was a coaching call with Kevin Miller, mm-hmm. uh, Dan Miller's son. Okay. And so okay. Kevin called me and he said, man, he goes, I don't know anything about the music business, but this is one of my clients. Would you mind doing a three-way Zoom call with us? And I said, yeah, sure. And so, uh, you know, Ted was wanting to move him and his, his family to Nashville to pursue his um, hammer dulcimer career. Mm-hmm. And he said, Chad, how many... How many times do you ever need like a hammer dulcimer in recordings, or have, have ever heard of people needing that? And I said, in 20 years, I can't recall anybody ever saying they need a hammer dulcimer play. Well, I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but um, it, it's just one of those instruments, you know. And he, and he said, I just I want to be a musician, and I I want to be in a band, and 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 as as I and I heard how he played. I mean, he's incredible, and I I just said. Let, let's just shift one little thing that you keep saying. You keep saying you want to be a musician in a band and, and play. So what if you look at yourself and refer to yourself as an artist musician? Because you can go play without anybody being with you. So someone could hire you to come to a you know, dinner party or a cocktail party or Christmas party, and you can be in the corner doing your thing, and you're, you're self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. So that's more of an artist musician instead of just being a musician in a band. And, and I said, the other thing, you know, you might want to look into maybe doing, since the hammer dulcimer is such a unique instrument and, um, and I always think of like Appalachian mountain music, that's mm-hmm. the, uh, growing up, that's what I always heard was hammer right. dulcimer playing that kind of stuff. And, uh, I said, why don't you do like some eighties rock song that everybody knows, you know, right. but, right. and so then sure enough, I was on tour the following year and. People kept sending me this Facebook link, just saying, "Dude, check this guy. What is this guy playing?" And 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 finally, I looked on it. And I'm like, "It's Ted." Nah. <laughs> and so it was Ted, and and he got. I mean, the thing went viral, and psychologists were actually doing uh, these studies of why he resonated so much with people. Really? Because wow. you know, he's just in his t-shirt in his backyard. They're waiting till the train comes by because it messes up their Wi-Fi and it's loud. And he has a pet raccoon. His family's watching. You know, and there's all these interesting things. And psychologists really like took this and like really? dissected everything. Yeah. And um and so now he's playing sold out venues still. And yeah. Um, and doing records and that's cool. Doing albums so. And so it took, which I love it because it took you on a call, to, one taking the time, right, right, to invest in somebody, to be an honest as well, because I'm sure there's right. many musicians that are like, oh man, I'm so great, and it's like, no, you're not. And right. It takes somebody, <laughs> hopefully, saving them time and effort and embarrassment. Well, yeah, you know? it's also you know picking up the whole family and moving right. them. And, right, right, exactly. That, that was yeah. my biggest concern. Yeah. Like, so in his know. case, it was embarrassment, but yeah, it was that you know thinking. I got to go. This is what everybody else is doing, right? You know, right? And yet, you, he was able to find it and tune it to yeah. what worked for him. So, so at, cool. at Belmont, actually, I brought this this story up to my students, and uh-huh. uh, and I'd, I'd reached out to Ted, and and uh, he's like, "Please tell him," because this, you know, this, yeah. this is good stuff. And That's cool. So anyway, great guy. Yeah, yeah. One 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 impact. That's awesome. And Tears for Fears actually came to his house, and I oh, got really? with him. And oh, no, yeah, cool. there's. Wow. There's a whole different thing. I mean, a whole different section to these these stories. But well, uh, and that's what's so awesome about social. I mean, really, uh, that is the plus about social media right. and the networking part. You know, right. and, and just how all these masterminds. You know, you got entrepreneurs doing every different things, and you know, from all over the world. You know, mm-hmm. um, and you just can within you know ten minutes, you can gain a new perspective from somebody you would have never met before. Right. You know, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so uh, you wake up one morning. You and Derby are hanging out for the day. You have something big you want to accomplish, but fear keeps holding you back. What are a few things you would tell Derby that you are going to do to get past that fear? <laughs> Derby's my dog, by the way. <laughs> He's very understanding. <laughs> he looks at you and says, yes, Daddy, what do you want, what do you want to do? Uh, with fear, um, there, there's a lot of times where if, if there is something fearful, I'll, I do meditate. Mm-hmm. And and I'll meditate on that, and I'm a faith, uh, mm-hmm. faithful guy, and so uh, faith based, and so I'll, I'll pray about it. And there's a lot of, for me with fear. It's more about um, not information, no information. So for me, the more information I get, that takes away my fear a lot okay. of times. Okay. Because a lot of times, if if there's something, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. But the more research I do, it's it's really not that bad. And once again, it's, it's kind of reduction to the ridiculous on a lot of this stuff where I'm like, well, 
you know, if we take this down to the, the core of what it really is without all the other layer stuff on it that I'm think um, more of my, my perception of it. Right. Um, that for me takes away a lot of the fear. Yeah, it really does. Which is really interesting because I do, I think the total opposite could be happened with information. Mm -hmm. Cause like I see people that read too much and you know, germs for instance. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. like, and you know, all this stuff that I think there's a lot, like I was actually, I was reading, I was reading some, uh, I think Matthew this morning and it was when, um, one of the Kings wanted, um, Timothy. No, who was it? They beheaded John. John? Mm -hmm. I think John beheaded him because I don't know, I guess the, the, the wife of somebody wanted it. And so then she tells her, her daughter, you know, because the king really liked the this little girl's performance and said, I'll give you anything you want. And she and so the mom convinces her, tell him you want his head. <laughs> and so he goes, chops his head off. And so I'm reading now, I'm thinking, man, you know, we sometimes reflect on our world because of all social media. It's so bad. I'm like, really? It was pretty bad back then, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, it's just now we have news and there obviously are elements that, you know, are are Worse, but at the same time, I mean, mm -hmm. we're all fallen people, right? You know, so right. I think there's a reality that until the day comes, it's like that's always going to be the case, right? You know what right. I mean? <laughs> yeah. What made me run off on that? <laughs> yeah, you know, talked about fear, and so yeah. so whenever people are reading all the stuff, it's like the germs, you know, whatever. It's like, oh my gosh, people get sick. Right. Like, I don't want to put my kid in a bubble in the closet with Lysol. <laughs> <Right. laughs> you don't have to worry about that, no, right? No. But man, um, so it is interesting because that's your perspective. Is and I think, yeah, you can have that. You know, me, it's wise counsel. You know, I'm calling people like you probably mm -hmm. said any decision. It's like, you know, picking brains or or saying what I'm going to do. Right. You know, that's right. kind of encouraged me to, you know, it's like when I was doing this, like I really didn't know everything I was going to do. Right. The more I talked about it, the more it motivated me to take action because then I'm like throwing it out there that I'm going to do this. It's like, well, now I can't like be a loser. <laughs> right. I told people I was going right. to The accountability this, you know? part. Yeah. 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 And yeah, the same thing with me though. I mean, I, I will call definitely, I have my inner circle, Jimmy Obian, definitely one of those. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and a lot of times they do take away the fear because Jimmy, you know, he'll be like, oh, man, you know, just do this and this and you'll be good. You know, right. I mean, it was one of those things. Right. And, and typically he's right, because a lot of times I'm acting more in more of an emotional state yes. and, and more more so than factual. Yeah. You know, I try that on my wife a lot. The logical side is there all the time. And it's just like, I don't, I don't get it. Why she just won't do what I'm telling her. <laughs> um, so uh, maybe that's the difference and you know, yeah. some women and men, right? Yeah, so man. what advice would you give yourself um, in regards to like your younger self in regards to parenting or marriage? I'm sure you saw your parents, mm -hmm. you know, having a probably a pretty solid marriage, as yeah. but even parenting and, how your kid, how your kids, how your parents raised you or business, you know, looking back, what would you, you know, is there anything that advice you would give to people in that stage of life? Well, actually, I, I get this question asked quite a bit because, um, you know, people are saying, like, I'm, you know, I'm an accountant. And my husband is a doctor and our kid wants to be a musician. Like, mm -hmm. ah, what do we do? You know, and my whole advice to that is, is um, well, the other question along with that is, what, what, what instrument should my kid play? Mm -hmm. like, right. I, I don't yep. know. You know, I don't know. And it, in a perfect world, if they can get in a room just full of just different instruments and let them see which one they gravitate toward, you know, and, and whether it's picking up a guitar or sitting down at a piano or beating on drums, whatever it is. Um, and so that that's and kind of more into the life section. I, I think it's, um, you know, let let your kid let them do whatever they let don't put the boundaries on them, mm -hmm. you know, and and there's been studies where, you know, you ask a kid that's seven years old, what do you want to do? It's like, well, I want to be a firefighter and an astronaut and a race car driver, you know, all in the same year kind of thing. Right, right. You know, then by the time they get to adulthood, they're like, well, I guess I need to go get a job. And, you know, and they, they their, their dreams are, are squelched mm -hmm. quite a bit. And um, and that's one thing I, I think being a musician, you can always be a dreamer. And and I love I love that. I love being a dreamer and, and thinking out, you know, kind of having some of the Elon Musk 
kind of right. moments. Of course, not on that kind of budget. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But being able to just say, well, hey, what if? Right. You know, or, or the wonder questions as uh, Gay Hendricks, mm -hmm. uh, the Big Leap uh, author, uh, great, great book, The Big Leap. But he calls them wonder questions. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, hmm, well, what if? And, right. and I love that. And right. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's, you know, you made me think just because it's like, I think my oldest, you know, he, he'll get creative and negotiate. <laughs> <laughs> he, he came up to me the other day. He told me he made, he made $6. Somebody wanted to ask uh, a, a girl or boy out or something. <laughs> And so they wanted him to bring a couple chairs from her backyard. And so he brought a chair and a table so they could sit and have a little date. And he made six dollars. And wow. I'm like, oh, my. I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking, who is that stupid to pay for that? You know, but I'm like, you know, my well, he son. Sold it somehow. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and so it makes me think of that whole, you know, obviously, you know, the boundaries is within safe safety. Right. Sure. But yet. Obviously, that's that can be a gauge because what one people see as <laughs> fear or safe is what another right. person might not. But uh, but just you know when you do see that you know some interest, it's like and and I think that's one thing Bob Golf did. You mm -hmm. remember that one story where his kids wanted to write to all these people and mm -hmm. he took them and traveled. You know, I mean, it's awesome. But I think it's you know recognizing that and then you know kind of walking along with them, mm -hmm. you know, during that journey a little bit mm -hmm. until they realize. And, and I'm sure there's many times, even with the music stuff, it's like, you know, man, I don't want to do this. Like, I think I'm probably going to go give my let my son do hockey lessons because he really wants to do hockey. And that's the main thing he's like, but I really don't want to drive from Mount Juliet to Antioch. Right. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, let's die to self and let's go, you know, just see, hey, what comes of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Anyway, so... Um, I, I like that that aspect of you know, don't don't set too strict of boundaries. Mm -hmm. You know, let them have some freedom to be creative, mm -hmm. right? Um, especially like, are you you left or right handed? Right handed, left footed. Okay, well, so I'm left handed, <laughs> and I think about which I don't know what the studies are the difference, but you know how people used to correct us in our age. You right. know, they don't do it now, but like how old we are. My mom wanted to correct me from being left handed, and I was like. So right now, <clears throat> I'm defining what this camper is, the Rambler, because I'm totally just rambling. <laughs> I just threw something out. But anyways, the difference in left-handed, right-handed, and how, you know, it's like, oh, it's got to be this way. And they'd correct you to be right-handed because, yeah. you know, it was inconveniencing people. Yeah. So don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, from the great words of Timothy in 4-7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. When your journey's over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? Mm, love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's easy, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turn it yeah. in cheek. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's easy to say it until you define what love is. Mm -hmm. You know, I've often thought that when I've read, I'm like, wow, man, love is pretty deep. Right. You know, how, how, uh, how God defines it anyways. You right. Know? So, yeah, I love that. Um, uh, all right. So tell the audience, um, you know, how they can contact you. I know you mentioned yeah, a couple of things. Yeah, on Instagram, at uh, Chad Jeffers. Uh, ChadJeffers.com is the website. JeffersCreativeConsulting.com is for uh, creativity. And um, with that, what's been ama amazing is that I've found that men, especially like in their 40s and 50s, they've built, you know, their, their business, their firm, their practice. Um, and then they, they've lost their creativity in the process because of, um, you know, building that, raising a you know family and, mm -hmm. and all that, and that's what we're there to, to help them find that again. Yeah. Um, whether it's playing guitar or whatever it may be. I like that. I like that. So instead of the midlife crisis, going investing in a car that you're not going to get a whole lot of value out of, maybe some fun. Yeah. It's like give you a call and help find some creativity to yeah exactly. Out. I actually thought I think somebody said, "Are you going through your midlife crisis?" When I was in you know rehabbing this, and I'm like, "No, I guess it was maybe it was a natural instinct to find some and explore my creativity." And right. That's pretty cool. And your book? My book is 25 Notes uh, for the a Successful Musician. You can find that at 25notes.com. Cool. Anything else? Uh, backstage notes for yeah. the Alexa briefing. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And catch us when we're out playing live. Yeah, yeah. You're out on the, the stage. Tour. When will you be on stage again? Um, with Carrie, not sure. Okay. I mean, we'll, we'll, we have some dates in the summertime, and 
and then uh which you can yeah. find her online right find her yeah a <laughs> couple of places <laughs> all right well chad thanks so much for your time thank you for having me and uh, we'll see you around hopefully on stage soon yes i really enjoyed hanging out with chad and getting to know him through his story i am sure you enjoyed it as well as he had a lot of great insight And with his experience on the road and all he has going on, hopefully you will walk away with a few nuggets to apply to your life. Next week, Diane Hayes joins me at Severe Park in Nashville. She is the Executive Director of Young Leaders Council. My wife and I both went through the 12-week Young Leaders class and learned a lot about local nonprofits and how a successful nonprofit board operates. She was born and raised in Nashville and has some great insight into the, I guess in Nashville in general, but obviously the nonprofit world as she has been heavily involved in doing actually a whole lot around Nashville um, with that. Make sure to look for that episode next Monday. As far as the sponsors, if you have not picked up on it yet, I'm a realtor in the Nashville area with a focus on residential real estate and real estate investing. I'd be happy to help you with your real estate needs. You can also give Brandon Hutchison a call with the Legacy Mutual Mortgage for all of your lender needs and Limestone Title and Escrow for any title needs. Thanks again for tuning in and look forward to next week. Tattered and torn King James Version Handed down Four generations Laid souls to rest Brought babies in this world Living on the nightstand as long as I remember Till the day I packed my car Was headed off to college Daddy laid it in my hands And said these words When you don't know where to turn Turn to Jesus When you need someone to listen Call collect. I put a fifty dollar bill in the book of Proverbs. One will get you where you're going, one will get you back. I was tried and I was tempted So many times to spend it I'd open up those pages And I'd just start to read I wonder if that was his plan All along Mm, And then I'd call him up Tell him that I miss him Tell him that I love him And thank him for his wisdom And to hear those words Ringing through the phone When you don't know where to turn Turn to Jesus When you need someone to listen I'll collect I put a $50 bill in the book of Proverbs One will get you where you're going One will get you back It's been two years since Daddy went to heaven Brought his first granddaughter home today And that same 50's weight 
In the book of Proverbs To help her find her way I can almost hear him say When you don't know where to turn Turn to Jesus When you need someone to listen Put a $50 bill in the book of Proverbs One will get you where you're going But one will get you back One will get you where you're going One will get you back Amazing grace How sweet the sound Thanks again for tuning in to Nashville Untold. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe and share it with someone. And if you have a minute... Click review and leave me a review. Let me know what you think. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast at andrewbuckwalter.com. Until next time.